0: Welcome to the latest which is the September 12th 29 oh that threw me off a second sorry 2019 Science Fiction Club meeting and uh, we have several people so does anyone want to go first with their book and I'll figure out which book I want to talk about while you guys talk
1: Well I can't. Oh, and I was just gonna say I could, but I thought I heard somebody else offer. Well,
0: neither one of you have been here lately, so you might have to draw lots or something. Uh, Oh no! You (laughs) go ahead. Okay, you you go ahead. ahead. David says you can go ahead. So
2: thank you. Uh, Thank you, sir. Um, Well. If you ask me what I've been reading lately, I have been I have been uh, revisiting Honor Harrington, but I won't talk about her because everybody knows about her, and and uh, although she is fantastic, I will um, forego <laughs> talking about Honor Harrington. Um, but several things happened earlier in the month, and and that were kind of sad and, and gloomy, so I decided to do that. But anyway, I'd like to talk about an oldie but goodie. And um, I I passed another book by the same author uh, this, this afternoon, and I didn't read it, but I would like to talk about Falling Free by Lois McMaster-Bojold. I don't know if you guys remember Falling Free. Oh yeah, Yeah.
0: I read it when it was serialized. It was good.
2: Well, it's one of my absolute favorite books, and um, I like it for several reasons, and one of them is that uh, this author did an excellent job of talking about the rights of people who are different, and... um, the ways in which people who are different um, can be abused. And in fact, uh, this particular book is one of the books which influenced my own writing, um, at least theme-wise, because my science fiction book is totally unlike her stuff at all. Um but she influenced me in that she talked about how important it is to um, give uh, different groups of people their their rights and and so forth and and uh, you know and i I liked it because of the writing of it, and uh, she 's an excellent writer <laughs> and I also liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I, also liked it. Pardon? Uh, I also liked it because um, I happened to have met the author way back in in the dark ages but I, I did meet her just after the publication of falling free so it, it was an interesting encounter and um, Lovely lady, and uh, you know, good memories. So, um, that's my book.
0: Yeah, but oh. you didn't tell anybody what it was about because maybe some people listening at the archives might not might not know about what it's about.
2: Ah, it's cool. okay, all right. Well, you're. I F- want to
1: think about I, them a little bit. Yeah, and yeah, how <laughs> does it fit into the series? I think it's the miles. Well, calls it in series, but it's it like two hundred years. It's two hundred years before. Yeah, it's not. It, it, I'm
0: not sure if it's the first one or not. Uh, Bookshare, I seem to recall, I it
1: wasn't. Think
2: it's. I think it's a standalone.
1: Actually. Oh, okay. It in is. that yeah. universe, two hundred years before. Oh,
2: well, that think. could be. That could be. But it is a standalone, as far as I know. Okay. Um, what it is is a book about a. An engineer who gets hired to go out onto a space station out in the middle of nowhere to train um, individuals who have been genetically modified to work in zero G and what happens after that and um, so uh, you know it's it's about the engineer and how he grows to admire the um the quadis who are uh they have no feet because they are designed for zero g they have four hands instead of hands and feet and um they are modified so that they will be uh Hmm. specially adapted to live in zero g so um and it's, it's all about them and it's all about the engineer who um, finds out that these people are being used by the company and then the company decides, well, these, these um, quote, animals, quote, are uh, going to be useless because they have been supplanted by some kind of machines. I forget the names of the machines, but the... Their jobs have been taken away, so we'll just get rid of them uh, because they're, they're no good to us anymore. So we'll just, uh, uh, well, essentially nuke them um, and uh, what the engineer decides to do about it. And it's, it's quite a story. It really is. It's, um,
0: it was her first published novel, wasn't it? Pardon? It was her first published novel, wasn't it? Yes,
2: it That's was her first published novel, yeah. and and I met her uh, at Boscon, which was the, the uh, national convention, you know, the science fiction convention in Boston in 1989, of all crazy things. Um, and she happened to be friends with a couple of people I knew who... Um, who were at the convention, so I got to talk to her, and it was very neat. So, anyhow, so that's my experience. Is is that good enough? Sure. <laughs> what? That's good. What, what's the distributor, Bard, or? Um, Bookshare? it's on Bard, I think.
0: That's okay. on Bulkshare too, pretty sure.
1: So, Roger, All right, I can. Would like to go I... first, but. I can go next if you'd like. Um Okay. My book isn't I won't have as much to say. It's basically a science fiction mystery. It's by Arkady Martine. DB9 Let me check the number. I think it's 9482 Hang on. Uh, in one moment. I'm getting that. Um 94528 nine, four, 94528 on board and <coughs> It is a science fiction mystery, an ambassador. Her name is Mahit Dismar. What a name. Um, I love the names in science fiction books sometimes. She is from a a world that exists as space stations. They mine um, these planets that they're, they're orbiting. The planets are lifeless balls of rock, and they have been... Um, approached by the Tex-Kalanli Empire. It's some huge intergalactic sort of empire thing. They, they, this empire has asked for a new ambassador, be- and so she is sent. She has been trained in their language and their culture, and she has been implanted with what's called an imago, which is a device of, made of ceramic and metal that sits on her brain stem that gives her the memories of the previous ambassador. So it's sort of like he's a voice in her head, only later in the novel, this thing malfunctions, which you find out is what happens to the ambassador—the you know the one she's going, the the one she's going to replace. It's basically he—he he basically has been murdered, and you find out what happened, and you are exposed to a, just a strange world. I don't know if this will become a series. If she plans to do a sequel, it—you don't get a sense exactly of where the um the head, the 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 main world of the texcalanli empire is it's a city that covers an entire planet the world is highly bureaucratic as any empire would have to be to function and the names of the people Who live there are really interesting. There are things like five portico and three seagrass, twelve azalea. It's kind of I think what I liked about it more than the mystery because I'm not the biggest biggest mystery person because I don't often figure them out. It's just the world building. So it's if you like mystery and science fiction it's one of those cross things one of those sort of multi-genre things that some people enjoy doing writing and other people enjoy reading again it's a memory called empire db94528 by arkady martine last name m-a-r-t-i-n-e
0: oh yeah sf mysteries are quite popular Um. And the planetary city, uh, that's uh, Trantor was a planetary city, as I recall. So
3: was Coruscant in the
0: Star Wars books. Yeah, Coruscant, yeah. I'd forgotten about that one. Yeah, so that's an old one. So, Roger, are you here? I am here. Do you want to go next? You usually go first, but today you are third. (laughs)
4: Um, Okay, I wanted to tell you about, I suppose you pronounce it, Catalyst. That is, the title is spelled C-A-T hyphen A hyphen L-Y-S-T. And I'm not sure why it was, the hyphens were put in, but it's by Alan Dean Foster. It is a brand new addition to Bookshare. I scanned it for Bookshare, and it's just been proofread, and maybe a day or two ago it went into the collection. I will say, I suppose most of us are familiar with the name Alan Dean Foster, but when I was uploading it, the already filled-in author field said Alan Foster, so I inserted the middle name Dean, I suppose, though, that the proofreader may have changed it back because it has entered the collection as being written by Alan Foster. Oh, shit. Sure. Anyway, it um, is about an actor. He's part of an acting troupe, in fact. The story opens up with a movie being made, but that's passed over pretty quickly. But the actor ends up wanting to go to Peru on a vacation and see all the ruins there of the Inca civilization. And at the same time, he ends up getting hooked up with an archaeologist who is um, out to look for some Inca ruins that have never been found, but he thinks he knows where he can find them. There is an old legend about a place called Paititi, that's P A I T I T I, and supposedly, there when the when Francisco Pizarro and his conquistadors invaded Peru, there were a certain number of Inca Indians who escaped and somehow got over the Andes Mountains and supposedly hid much of the gold and treasures of the um, Incas on the other side of the mountain. And this actor and the archeologist, and by the way, the actor picks up a pet pet cat along the way, Uh across the Andes and go into the lowlands on the Eastern side of the Andes. And the lowlands can be very uncomfortable. The heat is incredible. The humidity is incredible. Insects are constantly attacking you, and of course, well, it's the Amazon jungle is what it is, but they go looking for Paititi, and they find it. They find what looks like a very small example of some ancient uh, Inca ruins, but once entering the place, they find out that it leads into a cave, and a rather large cave, and it is absolutely full of gold artifacts. So they are confident that they have found Paietiti. Now, I'm sure you have heard of Eric von Donegan's book, Chariots of the Gods. Yeah. Where basically Eric von Donegan saw anything that happened in the ancient world or in prehistoric times that he didn't understand and attributed it to space aliens. There is a chapter in that book devoted to Peru and the premise of this book is that at least when it came to Peru was right. The old Peruvians had been in contact with space aliens and in this cave they find an alien artifact. It looks like some kind of big egg-shaped device. It's obviously not gold like everything else that's hidden there, but the cat cat that they brought along with them gets on top of it and starts walking around and ends up activating it. It turns out that it is a matter transporter. And they find themselves coming out of the cave, but it's a different cave, in an entirely different part of Peru. And they come out of the cave entrance full of vines and stuff like that that's kept it hidden. And they look out and see they are on the Nazca Plain. You know the plain that where, um, uh, uh, ditches had been dug in the far distant past that looked like various animals and stuff. And Eric Von Donegan figured that it was space aliens who directed the people living then to make these. And in fact, it turns out that in the context of this book, that's exactly what happened. But they find that this matter transmitter can lead them to other places too. And somehow by letting themselves be transmitted they end up in caves on apparently another planet which happens to be where the inca refugees went and their descendants are living there now Um, these descendants of the inca indians have all sorts of advanced alien technology so They're obviously not on the technological level they were when they got there. Um, They haven't been able to get the matter transmitters to work for centuries, but now that they find out that they're working again, due to this little kitty cat, they decide it's (laughs) time at a list. Yeah, it's time to get revenge against Spain and they want to take this alien technology that they have at their disposal and invade Spain actually invade Europe but especially Spain the um, folks who have came there looking for Paititi and found themselves on this planet of course don't really want them to invade Spain but are you guys still hearing me because my computer is talking to me now yes oh okay
2: we're hearing um, your computer too but um, yeah.
4: let's see I'm holding down the spacebar to unmute myself so I'm not sure how to stop it from doing that unless I reach over here. well the, let me just keep control going
1: key.
4: <laughs> um <laughs> It seems that the space aliens themselves. Hang on a second.
0: Well, uh, I don't know when he's going to return. So.
5: Okay, I I, I saw somebody. Po- uh, it was Joseph Norton uh, posted on uh, DB Review about Red Planet. Uh, Robert Heinlein. Heinlein, yes. Okay, yeah I, 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 I know I know all you science fiction gurus know 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 this. I thought, well, this sounds like a pretty interesting book because it, it it's like a- cute. Yeah, it sounded character-driven. It was six hours long, and I thought, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna give it a go because I mean, I like I like puffy furball kind of things, and it sounded like the main character Willis was was one of those. He was a, called a bouncer, I guess. And uh, well, and I and I'm calling uh, uh, Willis a he, and I think Willis was really a she in the end. But uh, I, I I enjoyed it. I mean, it it, it was cute. I mean, it was uh, a, a little dated and stuff, but but the I main thing that was I guess written maybe in the 40s? Does that sound right? Uh, 49 or 50, I think it's Yeah, in the for, yeah, early 50s for, of the latest. Okay, right, right. Like, yeah, or late but, 40s. But you got all these people, on, uh, They're living, all these colonists are living on Mars and stuff. And I really enjoyed the, uh, I mean, you got two main friends, I guess it's Jim Marlowe, and I think his friend's name Frank, maybe Francis? I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting it wrong. But uh, they go off to school, and he takes Willis with him, and then, The guy that the headmaster of the school is, you know, part. Well, I won't won't say what I wanted to say, but he's he's a real jerk, and uh, (laughs) uh, and and, and you get into the you know typical kind of stuff when you got somebody that that apparently has a low self esteem, trying to lord it over kids and stuff, which is kind of what's happening. And uh, they uncover a plot that they're gonna, uh, uh, whoever the the headmaster of the school is, is, is is apparently in tight with. I guess it's kind of like the resident agent there that's, that's over. It's a big company that kind of runs the, the colony on Mars. And he's kind of in tight with this general that's that's kind of in charge. And, uh, uh, they're trying to, 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 to take Willis and, uh, you know, donate or not donate it, but sell it to the London zoo or something and get all this money for for the animal. And they're doing all this, all kind of stuff. Uh you know i am not gonna go on and on about it but but it but it was a cute story and it had uh uh you know the the colonists trying to do the you know try to get their rights back and you know they they kind of uh they send a force and they they migrate anyway to a different part of the uh, uh of mars but i uh, I enjoyed kind of the interaction between you know the Martians and the, jim makes friends with with a couple of the Martians and stuff and you know it gets to, it gets kind of interesting some of the interplay I thought between the characters so uh, thanks, thanks for letting me. Thanks for letting me go. I wanted to pop in. Yeah, I apologize. I've got this class going on. Uh, I think this will be the last time it conflicts, but uh, I wanted to pop in and, and and give you a quick summary of that because I, I did enjoy it. And thanks for letting me speak. Well,
0: Roger has not returned. Marshall, what do you think?
3: Well, I was delighted to see that Bard put up three Heinlein books, Between Planets, uh, Red Planet, and Rocket Ship Galileo. And I know I'd read some of those books back when I was a kid, many decades ago. And I decided to read Between Planets, because I wasn't sure if I'd remembered it. Basically, Earth is kind of a well military state that wants to rule all the planets. And again, this is this is this is one of his Heinlein's young adult books. The primary character is a kid about high school age who is was born in space, so he has joint Earth-Venus citizenship. And he is, oh, he gets a letter from his parents to get back to Mars immediately, but just as he's getting back to Mars, the Venusians take over the space station that acts as a routing point for all spaceships and blow it up. So he gets, uh kind of hijacked back to venus and gets there and starts trying to survive since he's got no money no nothing and gets a job and about the time him, he gets a job earth invades wipes out all the cities and he gets involved in an army and then there's a whole bunch of stuff but it turns out that he was a messenger for a secret cabal of scientists that have been studying physics. And he has half of a message and someone else has half of a message. But nobody knows. The the two people don't know about it. And finally... They resolve everything. and
0: You mean the people don't know who each other is who has each app?
3: Yeah, it's a two-part message, oh, okay. but the couriers
0: but... don't know who each other are. Oh, so they can't put it together? No. Oh, okay. And in okay.
3: fact, they both got put on Venus by a coincidence because the other one is a Martian. Oh, um,
0: okay.
3: And they finally put it back together and develop a technology that allows them to tell Earth to go away and leave them alone, basically. But the thing I liked about it was they have uh, the species, the intelligent species on Venus are dragons. Uh, They're very big creatures. Um, They use kind of a speech synthesizer to talk. You know, it's Dated science, um, but it is enjoyable, Um, and I'm glad to see that Bard is starting to bring in some of the old, really old classics.
0: We we had a braille copy of rocket ship galileo in my school library back in the early 70s but i don't remember a, a recorded version even back then um i think no. this might be a new recording is not it? or is it an old i think recording? it is in fact I don't think it's a conversion it's the new- other
3: thing about i think it's the the between planets was recorded by spider robinson that's right yes um
4: I read those Heinlein juveniles in junior high school back in the 60s.
0: Well, I beat you. I think I read them in the 50s. Now, Half Spade Suit Will Travel was another one.
4: Star Beast.
0: Star Beast. Farmer in the Sky. Was it Farmer in the Sky? Was that a juvenile? Yes, that's one. Uh, That was another one on Ganymede. And yeah.
2: uh, what was it? Pod Podcane, Podcane
0: of Mars.
2: Podcane yeah, of Mars. That now you barred. couldn't have
0: read now you couldn't have read that one in the fifties. Uh that was published in I think sixty three or sixty four. Um, if I remember correctly. It was after Stranger in a Strange Land anyway. Yeah. Uh, but uh Heinlein his theme he had a lot of the same themes. It was oppressive Earth and the plucky natives and so on, but he had some imagination to go with it. But his political views were very close to the surface in a lot of his stuff.
1: He
3: started to get kind of weird towards the end, too.
0: Well, the worst book I ever attempted to read was by Heinlein, as a matter of fact. I Shall Fear No Evil. It was about a guy who gets a brain transplant into a secretary or something. It was I the worst I've ever that You know, I, I the,
3: the ones finish. he wrote wrote towards the end, Friday, and there was one that I think the title was Job or something. Job,
0: yes, yes.
3: And you those just I, were so weird I couldn't...
4: You know what I think?
3: Go ahead, what? Roger.
4: Heinlein, when he got old, he still had a very strong attraction... For very young women and his later writings uh, that really shows through he likes to pop he liked to populate his books with a lot of naked young nubile women <laughs> Stuff well you like
0: start that. seeing that even in <laughs> even in stranger in a strange land you see <laughs> that starting it wasn't as bad as it got later but it started at least there and if not earlier Roger, do you want to finish uh, what Okay,
4: you okay. We, let me last, tell you what happened When we there.
0: left you, when we yeah, left um, you the, uh, they wanted to invade and get in even with Spain but the people who uh, they, they didn't want them to do it who got the matter transmitter working, didn't want them to invade Spain yeah,
4: Apparently, my computer started talking and it was distracting me so I tried to shut the computer up and somehow I shut myself up,
1: and I started
4: talking, and there I was talking away, and you guys were talking away, too, and it dawns on me that you're not hearing me. Nope. So I think I, was, I had accidentally muted myself, and I managed to unmute myself at about the same time Evan here was saying, well, Roger still hasn't made it back. So I, I made it back, but... What I was going I too bad I can't remember the exact words I was using while you guys weren't hearing me. But <laughs> in any case, the space aliens who put the matter transmitters there on their home world, they had a um, some kind of ministry of matter transporters that kept track of all matter transporters. So when these Matter transporters that have not been used for centuries suddenly started working. They were alerted. So they show up to try to find out what was happening. Interesting thing about these aliens, these are the same aliens that Von Donegan wrote about, but Von Donegan didn't imagine them like this. They look kind of like upside-down carrots. And the Carrot tops at the bottom were actually uh, organs of manipulation and feeding and such. Anyway, they decide, oh, uh, by the way, they their home planet is named Booge. So that gets them the name of, <coughs> excuse
1: yeah. me,
4: had to cough there. Their home planet is named Booge. So they get the nickname of Bujums. In any case, yep. they do stop the Inca invasion of Europe. Yep. <coughs> and all oh, they get involved in, the, since an actor is involved in this and all, he wants to make a movie about it. And They have all kinds of plans to sell something called Inca cola (laughs) and all of that. Yeah, some of the novel was kind of funny. There was a part there, in fact, where once they were in contact with the descendants of the ancient Incas, uh, they have to decide whether they're going to invade Europe, and they have a way of deciding that. They are supposed to take someone and cut open their belly and examine their entrails to help them. While they're
2: still alive?
4: uh, Well, yeah, that's the ancient custom. So they pick one of the newcomers and she is absolutely terrified and all, and they tie her up and lay her out and they pass something over top of her so that they can see right through her skin and see her intestines inside of her and then they say okay it's done we've decided to invade (laughs) and she (laughs) she says i thought you were i was about to die and they said oh no we've come a long way we have this alien technology so we don't have to cut people open anymore (laughs) that added a bit of humor to it but in any case that was the book um Cat a list by alan dean foster or in the bookshare collection is just alan foster and it's a brand new edition i just scanned it recently so there you go
0: well that does sound like fun though actually i like you know i like the i mean there sounds like there's going to be some traveling and exploring of the caves and the uh, you know, the environment of the Amazon. I mean, it sounds like it'd be fun, and uh, he's he's having a little fun with it. Also, he did some Star Wars books and stuff, too, I think, didn't he? Stuff like that, some of the contract work.
1: I know he did at least one.
0: Star Trek, yeah.
3: He also did a Star Wars book,
0: Mm. Splinter
3: of the Mind's Eye. Oh, okay, yeah.
0: But I don't know if he wrote any others. Well well i actually decided i actually didn't have much trouble deciding what book to talk about because none of the people who were here last month are here this month and i reviewed the first book of a trilogy last month and i figured if most of the people were here i could summarize you know briefly the first book And but i'm not going to start um reviewing the second book in a trilogy if nobody's here from the first one last month so i'm going to talk about I started uh, Ian Douglas's Star Carrier series from BARD Um, and I don't usually go for this type of stuff, but there are two reasons why I decided to read it. Um, BARD has the first, he is a military SF writer. Um, He's written a whole bunch of books, uh, most of which, uh, I think Bookshare's got most of them, if not all of them bard has a few uh they've got five now and they're working on three more um this star carrier series uh they've got books one through three and i've read the first two and they're working on four through six according to their in process uh according to when i looked it up and uh bookshare's got i think um i can't be positive though because i didn't look it up i didn't look it up uh to see what order they were in or what their titles were but they've got up to book eight and supposedly it's the penultimate book but there are two reasons why i decided to try it first of all he uh even though i don't read military sf um i read his altered starscape uh his first andromedan dark book and then i read darkness falling and it takes place in the far future and there wasn't really that much military in it. Um, there was some, obviously, and the and the action takes place on a military ship with the admiral and with the captain and the you know their military personnel. But it, but his sense of wonder and his interest in you know alien artifacts and he creates interesting aliens. Um, so I was I so. And the second reason is that the Star Carrier series is about humanity uh, attempting, the aliens are trying to prevent humanity from reaching the technological singularity. So I'm assuming at the end of a very long journey of perhaps nine books, if the the description of the eighth book is correct, I'm going to get some kind of a payoff and we'll see humanity, we'll see, Ian Douglas's idea of what uh, a technological singularity looks like, but um, there is quite a bit more military action in these Star Carrier books. The first one is called Earth Strike, and the second one is called Center of Gravity, and I'm cheating a bit because uh, I'm too lazy to try to remember uh, which goes in the first book and which goes in the second book because I read them without much, without any kind of a break in between. I just went right into the second one. Actually, I've gone into the third one. uh, Not very far yet, but I read these two last month. And so most of the stories, this takes place in the early 25th century. Now, there are reasons why uh, I mean he's done his homework a little bit on this. I mean he mentions Bernard Vinge's classic paper on the singularity in from 1993 and he talks about the technologies that humanity is developing that are supposedly going to lead to the technological singularity. So called grin technologies, genetics, robotics, infotech and nanotech. And in the, and there've been some wars and some some terrorism and plagues and stuff, and so humanity is back on the exponential track in the early 24th century, but these aliens um, start attacking human colonies. There are some human colonies, aren't a huge number, but there are some within the 50, 50 light years of Earth, and they don't know why. Um, they haven't communicated with the aliens yet. Uh, well, this I'm talking about before the books start, they just start communicating with the aliens. They they met actually some and started trading with them uh, before they were attacked by another uh, alien species. And um, so we see most of the char- story through a couple of different characters. One is an admiral of a giant uh, ship. It's about a kilometer long and he's a part of a battle group. But the other main character is a uh, guy who was brought into the, who agreed to serve in the military, um, because he he lives out in, or he lived out in Manhattan, which after climate change, the oceans have risen. There's been some, uh, conflict in earlier centuries. It's, uh, a section of the country that is kind of, uh, where people live who are more primitive He's. uh, He doesn't have all the implants and the net access and stuff that or or the medical stuff that most of the citizens of the u.s and the earth confederation have um there's political developments i won't go into all that because it would take you know besides where i have to hurry up i think um and um so but his uh partner his lover um she has a stroke and he takes her in to get her some medical help and so and they asked him to kind of and, and then she doesn't want him anymore um, she did a lot of they did a lot of brain reconstruction on her because of her stroke and then after she recovered she didn't seem to be interested in him anymore she knew him of course but she didn't she you know she had a lot of uh, modifications and she didn't want so he left and went to the military And so you see a lot of it. He doesn't really fit in socially. A lot of people pick on him because, you know, there's monogamous marriages and in fashion anymore, and it still is where he used to live. And so they have nicknames for him. Some of some of the people befriend him, though. It's not universal, but there are some people who really, you know, pick on him and and but he's turns into, you know, a good fighter and You know, and along the way we see these. And I thought about Mary when I was reading this because some of these aliens are really uh, interesting. They're not just humanoid aliens. They're very different. Um, Some of them are like from gas giant planets. And they have these huge ships because they're, you know, they're actually colony organisms. They've got all these different creatures doing all these different, it's kind of like human beings in a way. It's kind of like a modern view, you know, human beings, you know, um, Mm -hmm. you know, all the symbiotic cell, you know, symbiosis in the cells and the bacteria that are digesting food and all this. But this, these giant aliens, you know, there's another one, uh, the main ones that are, that have been attacking humans most. They all claim to be serving this other alien race that uh, is the main dominant species of a galaxy called the Star, and they all have this Star seed, so-called, in them. That it doesn't ex- enslave them exactly, but it guides them and tells them what it thinks they should do, and and they uh, the, the different aliens the the. the the ones that are called the tarouche are like two, they, they are in pairs and the humans learn to communicate with them as well as the first aliens they met who are even diff- more exotic looking. And these aliens that are in pairs, they speak together and their speech, the, the resonance of their speech causes a third speech pattern that has uh, a follow up message or a different message. So they've got to parse all these different speech patterns to figure out what the aliens are saying. But in the early 24th century, you know, AI is pretty advanced now and people have a lot of implants. Nanotech is pretty evolved, you know, pretty advanced now, you know, they can replicate most of everything they need out in space if they get carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, and nitrogen, a few trace elements. So they're getting close to the singularity already. So, but they've got to find out who these star are, why they're opposing humanity's uh, transcendence, as they call it. They say they want to oppose it. They, finally, they managed to finally communicate with some of these aliens and ask them why they're attacking them. They're saying, you know, transcendence, you're not supposed to do that. But we don't really know why yet. There are some hints. Um, but anyway, um, those are the first two books. I'm going to get through this series. Because he does have some interesting aliens in it, and it's a theme that I'm interested in. I'm reading them pretty quickly, though, because I don't have a lot of interest in the, you know, they're hurling particle beams around and they're nuking the enemy ships and, you know, all that stuff. And I'm not really all that interested in that kind of thing. But I want to see what he's going to do, you know, as he goes along, because he does have a sense of wonder. He does have some interesting aliens in it. Um, so uh, those are my two books. Um, Earth Strike and Center of Gravity are the first two books in the Star Carrier series from Ian Douglas and they are on Bard and they are on Bookshare. Uh, so there you go. That was it for me this and I did, as I said, I finished three books this month, but. The other one was the second book in the Confluence series that takes place 10 million years in the future, which I think is, I'm really enjoying it. Um, Anyway, um, I guess that's it then. So, our next meeting... Our next meeting will be on October the 10th, 2019.